So we're doing another week of Jeopardy. <gasps> Not really. No, you got me so excited. <laughs> wait, 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 what did you say? Another week of Jeopardy. Not really. Okay. Oh, that was so rude. I know. <laughs> I was so excited. So we're going to do... Well, the first time we did it in a long time, we had two teams of one. So That would be fun, though. It was Gabe against Paige. <laughs> think, that would be fun. I think Paige won. Oh, that would be hilarious. Really? That's yes, surprising. Yes, I think so. Huh. I thought Gabe would have won that. Okay. So, we're going to start a new series. All right. Let's focus. It's going to be what? No. No. I know what it is. Oh, yes, I think Audrey does. She overheard. But we are going to do Abraham. <gasps> Yay! Were you right? No. What you think Okay. So, um, what do you know about Abraham? He was told to sacrifice he many his sons. Son. Okay, he did not have many sons. He had <gasps> very few. Had many sons? Okay. Many sons in, in a different sense, he had many sons. His, um, his, he had two which, Like his... Off, like his, he did have two sons. Um, he was told this in his lineage. Oh, Isaac, yes, in Isaac, his lineage. And Isaac and um, the other kid, and he had to, he had to. God told him to go sacrifice his child, right? Is yes. That the same guy. Yep. yep and that's then, him. Right when he was about to do it, God was like, "Nope." Okay. Now I know your lawyer. What else do you know about him? His wife is super old. <laughs> okay. Well, he was super <laughs> old too, so. It's not like he went and found um, a super old wife. They were both yeah. the same, around the same age. Who are the people that were like two brothers and his wife? That's Cain and Abel. That's like the beginning. They are also in Genesis. So we are in the book of Genesis. So since you brought up way back history, right? That's like second oldest story. Um, Abraham lived during the time of the kingdom of Sumer. You ever hear of that? No. Sumer. You, oh, wow. You didn't study that? No. Okay. Oh, I haven't got there yet. We're going to draw a map. And a little birdie told us that our maps aren't that great. Oh, what the? Okay, what birdie told you? Because I might need to punch a birdie. What well, a secret. <gasps> so. Because Google Maps isn't really accurate, and actual maps aren't that good. Well, to be fair, the ones in the back of the Bible really aren't that good. They, so yes, you can go to the to the back of your Bible. I'm the only one actually brought one. Well, good. And you can look at a map. Yeah, mine is so long. Mine has like two different types of maps, though. See, but here's the thing: the map was so simple that we we I loved it. You're not going to get this map every week because it's, it takes too long to draw. Yeah, it does. It's easier to draw. But if you don't have a Bible that has a map, you could always get a Bible that has a map. Where is that Okay, this is so. Oh, sorry. This is the ancient Near East. Is the title of my map. That I'm using. Mine but it might just say the Middle East. Mine has two different maps. The world of P-A-T-R-I-A-R-C-H-S and Holy Land. And Mine has Israel and Palestine and then... So this is probably Jerusalem, bigger than a lot of the maps Jerusalem that and the you temple have. in the Old Testament. So okay. I, don't think, I don't think it's in my Bible. So you might you will have, might have some of the things that we're going to put up. I only have two. Right. So I do. this is all ocean here. So what is this? That the, the Dead Sea. Mm-hmm. Mediterranean Sea. Oh, so I do. Okay, what's uh, this country here? Oh, I do, I do. Hitters? I no. do. Wait, hang on. Can you give me one second? Oh. Phoenicia. No. No. <laughs> India. Egypt. Middle East. Um, oh, I have Greece. Like, if I Greece. Greece. What? Oh, yeah. It's the part Now, that. where is that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You probably don't have it on your map. So Italy is over here. But you can't really see it much. Okay, let, let's pay attention though. Russia is up here, okay? To give you some idea. Do you guys know where Russia is in the world map? Yes. 
Yeah, Mallory's giving me a blank stare. Because you probably you don't have it on your map. I'm giving you reference points. Do you know how about India? It's down Yeah, I knew that was That's over that way. So this is the Persian Sea. Yeah, mine just has stuff like a place called Hitters. What's this place? Jerusalem. Israel. No. Bethlehem. Egypt. 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 Okay. Okay, well, you know what? I'm so stupid today. So That's okay. This I is Egypt, the Red, sea. Red Sea. And that's the Dead Sea, that little one up there. Yep. And then the Sea of, Gal the sea of Galilee. And then the River of Judea. Or Judah. And yep. the, the Black and Sea. Now, this is probably not called the Sea of Galilee at this time in history. We don't. We wouldn't know. So, Jerusalem. If Jerusalem is there... During Abraham's time, it was probably just like a little fortress on a hill, at well, the most. There's the Aragonian Sea, which is in Greece. There's the Black Sea going near the top of it. Okay, it's yep, fire. this is the Black Sea. And there's the Caspian Sea. Yep, like it's Prince Persian. Caspian. Oh my gosh. And there's the Persian Gulf. Yes. Near, and on my map it says that's in the... That's yeah, sorry, that's the Persian Gulf, as you would know it today. Now, the specific area where Abraham comes from is you have these two rivers. They come from one, and then they split off. The Fertile Crescent. Yes, it's called the Fertile Crescent. This area is kind of shaped like a half moon. And do you know the names of the rivers? The Euphrates and the Tigris. Yep. Yeah. Technically, it's marked Tigris R period. Tigris River. Yeah, that's so that R means. stands for river. <laughs> river. That way you don't have to spell it out every time. See, we'll do it there. R. Okay. Now, there's a little city down here, actually a big city, called Ur. You are. I remember Ur. We learned about Ur. In history, did, right? No. No? No, no, no one think here. And there's another city up here that you, this is probably the only time you'll hear, hear of it. P-R-E-C-H-N-N-I-P-Q-U-R. Is that an O or an Heron. Heron. Okay. Sorry, Heron. I just didn't. Heron is Heron. up near Patton, Oregon, where Arabia kind of meets, like with the seas, that is. Oh, this is modern day Turkey. Turkey. Where the genocide happened. Wait, where's the R? Sorry. <laughs> Turkey. <laughs> okay, so that's probably good for our map for tonight. And <clears throat> this is, we are going, the kingdom of Sumer is... Is it, is it with a P-S? It, it's spelled summer. Oh, man. It was giving me P-S. S-U-M-M-E-R. This is Sumer. Oh, okay. It's spelled summer, then? Yep, S U M M E R, but it's pronounced Sumer. I don't okay. see that oh, on my English map. Language. Well, not well, it's not the English language. It's, an, it's a translation, which is why it's yeah. different. What's the translation? What does it look like um, on, uh, on, on normal maps? It might not be, your map may not have it labeled as Sumer, that region. Because yeah, it's. I have one that's marked hitters up there. I have one that's a tiny space that's in between hitters, and I'm going to mark C A R C H E M I S H. Near there. Well, your map might not be from this time period because places change with names. Oh, yeah, so. this map's marked from the world of the P A T R I A R C H's. Patriarchs. Well, let's focus on this map up here because this is the map you're going to need tonight. Okay, Felicia? This is the map we're going to use. And this is going way back to right after the flood. So you think about Adam and Eve. Then they had Cain and Abel, which Felicia brought up. And then they have a bunch of other kids, and eventually Noah comes along, who is, um, he is, oh, I'm having a mind blank of who's, one of Adam's sons is his great-great-great-grandfather, okay? And, oh, Noah's Ark. remember Enoch? Yes. He is like a great 
great, 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 grandfather to Abraham. Okay? So he's all in that line. Okay? And this is, so then Noah comes on the scene. The flood comes. Noah saves all the enough animals to repopulate the earth and also his three sons and their wives. And one of those sons' name is Seth. I think, hold on. I might have confused. Yes, Seth. And his, um, he eventually, if you follow his children down, you get to Terah. T-E-R-A-H. Okay. Terah. Yep. That makes me think of the original Teen Titans. Oh, yes, it is now a girl's name. But this is, in older times, it was a guy's name. And he has a few sons, and one of those sons is named Abram. Abram. Maybe he named after Abraham. Nope. I wonder if they have to look back and think about their heritage. I think they did a lot, probably. So, what do you know about, we talked a little bit about, about Sumer, this region. You said it was the Fertile Crescent. What else do you know? Does it have something to do with the Garden of Eden? Or is that somewhere um, else? Where it was like, because some people think. So some people think the Garden of Eden was in the Fertile Crescent somewhere, but there's really no evidence. There is, it's possible because it mentions the Garden of Eden was near another Euphrates like it was near the river Euphrates but it's not to say that they didn't name this river later because after that so there's no true evidence of where it was I know this might sound dumb but um, has anybody like ever visited like there's not it's not you can't you're not allowed to because God made it he put an angel in front of it with a flaming sword to keep people out what if someone? What if someone somehow end up finding, finding, finding it? Well, they won't because God made it so they can't. You can't find it. It's hidden. It's probably just like, if anything, if like, say, it probably just look like an, like an apple. It doesn't look like anything because you can't find it. I don't know. What if? What if? But the angel with the flaming sword is like kind of like a metaphor for like something else. Um. Usually, it's not. Yeah, I mean, what if it signifies to like it kind of made it invisible and it was like all that you can see there is something like a statue? Well, the point is in the end, whatever it might signify or literally be, is that we were banished from it because of sin. And we can never work. can we never go back, or is it going to be part of heaven? Um, could be either or. I'd have to get back to you on that. It could be either either or. You never know. Well, I, I think like, I feel like if he didn't destroy it, it might. Like, why would, like, why would he, like, why would he destroy so, it if no one can go there? This is the last thing, and we have to move on, okay? This is the last thing about this topic. So, it could be that it is in another dimension now. Totally not even on the earth. Um, if it is on the earth and hidden, when the earth is destroyed, when he, before, when he returns, he'll be destroyed and he'll remake it. And it will be destroyed in that, I would think, unless he separates it out. So, there's just, it's a mystery, okay? It's something that you have to wait to find out. Okay. Nope. Nope. We got to move on now. Moving on. So, they, Sumer, I don't know if they still call it this, but when I took world history, ancient history, they called it the cradle of civilization. Okay, so meaning that. This is their idea. I don't know if I totally agree with it, but at least for after the flood, this is where they started to do agriculture instead of just picking berries or whatever things you could find in the woods in the field. They actually grew their own stuff. They made fields, planted things, plowed, and they also began doing trade and things like that. So this started building cities, and that's why they call it the cradle of civilization. And so they are a very wealthy area, and they have a very sophisticated culture. Um, 
they are very advanced in farming, as I mentioned, but they also have an advantage for trade. What do you think that advantage might be? The rivers. The rivers, yes. So I showed you these two rivers, but there are a bunch of rivers that come off and go all in between, and they come up here, they go to all these different bodies of water where they are able to tr easily put things on boats, things that might be heavy or a lot of things, and move them instead of trying to move them by cart where it's easier for robbers to rob you and things like that. So they are able to become very wealthy because do you know what happens when you let, um, let's even modern day, if you let a ship come through your port, you have to pay that port money. So anybody who wants to transport through here, you got a little city like Ur right on the river. They say, well, you gotta give us money when you come past. And they say, well, we don't want to. Well, then we're gonna sink your ship or just take all your stuff. So you get a tax essentially. So that brings wealth for them as well. Um, and they also have found gold in burials from that time period. There's not very many. There's only a few that, because this is very old. This is, if you go by a biblical timeline, this is estimated to be year 2000 BC. So 4,000 years ago. So you can imagine what things look like when you dig them up from that long ago. And they, here's another important thing that's important with civilization. They have developed a written language which not we don't know there may have been other written languages before but this is the first recorded one have you ever heard of it? it's made with like little wedge shaped characters you use like a little stick and do these little kind of like triangular like if you poked a spatula in clay it kind of looks like, like how the Egyptians had cuneiform yes <laughs> it is cuneiform I remember that yeah. yep so they have developed that and why would that be important if to for a great culture a great nation felicia it's possible because other like because other countries might not be able to read it and it actually makes it easier for them to communicate without talking that way in case they're playing a battle tactic that way the other country that they were having war with would not know any of their plans because they wouldn't be able okay to you can control information that that's a good point what else but to be passed on to future generations Okay, you can pass it on. It's well, a way. There's no way of knowing they'll be able to read it because it might be written in kind of like. Well, we're talking about just within their time. We're not talking about long. But it's a good point for generational, right? For the next generation coming up, can doesn't have to relearn things, right? Yeah. And then you can like you can. You don't have to like remember things if you can write it down. You okay. Yes. And you can you like can longer copy messages. things over. So, like, you have instructions how to build a ship, so, like... Yes. Yeah, things can get done quicker. Okay, yes. So, because what you can do... Think about if you are trying to take inventory of thousands of bushels of grain. No, I remember memorize every single one of them. Right. You don't have to rely on your memory. You can write things down and keep accurate records of things. You can... Um, be able to take keep track of how many tools you have, how many boats, the size of your army, how many slaves you have, taxes, who owes you taxes and who paid them. So all these things make them a very wealthy, um, a very wealthy nation. And this is what they say from history: is that the cap there were many cities along these rivers in Sumer, and they would change which one was the capital of this city nation Along and the Tigris or the Eubrates. both so at, for much of the time the city of Ur was the capital so it was like numero uno and that is where Abram is born he is born in the city of Ur to his father Terah and he becomes very used to living in this wealthy nation this place of abundance of knowledge of entertainment of goods of just a good life to live in and all is well for him on that and then at some point his father Tara he and his wife anybody know Abraham's wife's name Elizabeth. Nope. 
Sarah, or it is Sarai at first. Okay. Sarah makes more sense than Sarai, and she has to like give birth to his like son. Yes. We will get to that. The, we got a little bit, a couple nights before we get there. Um, and they all move. Oh, also with the, his nephew, Lot. Oh, Lot. I don't like him. <laughs> they move to Herod up here, which my circle's not that accurate. It's really kind of outside of Sumer. It's very close to it, but it's not within Sumer. And... They lived there for a while, and all is well until one day God speaks to Abraham. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. No more maps. I hope that's no. Are we doing the first verse? We are. We're going to start with the first verse and read to verse 3. Else you can compare it to the other ones? Pretty? Okay. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will shoot thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse curse him. Yep. The, and in these shall all families of the earth be blessed. Okay. So, these verses sound a little bit familiar. Maybe. Or what he's talking about in them. So, somebody sum up. Give me the spark notes. You guys even use spark notes anymore? No, I don't know what that is. <laughs> spark notes? Never mind. Well, we well, can talk about it afterwards. I feel like I've heard of it, but... It's like a summary of a book. Oh, I have used that to, ch- to cheat in a class. Yeah, so somebody give me the spark notes on these three verses, what they mean. Um, Abby, you cheat? That's very bad. All right, let's, okay, let's focus, though. Um, um, so... You can go I don't know, he said leave. Okay, And I'll good. give you a better place to live. Okay. I'll, I'll like bless your family. Okay. So there is a request, or you can go so far as a command, and a... Um, incentive. Okay. You could say incentive, but <laughs> how about a promise? Yeah. That's a little bit less Cause it didn't malicious. Because like, it didn't say, like, if you don't, I'll do this. Oh, that's true. Right. So it's, it's a good thing, right? Um, incentive isn't, I mean, it is a good thing, but you're trying to manipulate something a little bit more, right? I guess. Anyways, promise is the word we like. So, um, now, what is odd about this? Kindred is like kids, right? Yeah. And he doesn't have any yet? Well, kindred could is usually more like your cousins, your aunts, uncles, okay. relatives. I want to think about the context because we set a whole stage of well, the short history of the world. Why would, why would they tell him to leave? Leaving like the place. Why? Yeah. Why would he have to leave? Like what? Okay, that's a good question. I like that question. We're going to get to that one. What else is strange about? This. You gotta take yourself outside of your Christian experience. Yeah, that's gonna be pretty hard. Well, that's not a bad thing that it's hard to do. Let's look at it literally. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country. What's strange about that? Thy? Is it saying thy country? Wait, wait. Never mind. Get thee out of thy country. He's calling it his country as if he owns it when he doesn't. He just lives there. No, you're thinking, you're actually going too detailed. Get out of the whole entire country. How about the Lord said? 
Yeah, what? What's strange about that? People who are Christians don't believe in God, and it's like, what? So, he, but, but okay, he, how about there are no Christians? Some, uh, oh. hear voices. Is that why it's weird? Because, like, because it's not like Christianity wasn't developed, like it wasn't a thing yet? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. What else is weird about that? What else don't they have? Because this is before Moses, it's before Joseph, it's before Jacob, it's before Isaac. Interpreters. They don't have like a way, like priests or anything to... Okay, there are no priests. Oh, the Lord directly said to him, directly, he directly talked to him. Yeah, and oh, how many people wow. do you think he knew that God spoke to? None. I mean, there's nobody in the Bible from this time period that... We know that God talked to. So That's not saying that God didn't. In the Bible, so this is pretty. He's not the first because remember Noah. This Noah rare. talked a lot. Oh, Enoch yeah. talked oh, a lot. Yeah. I it's rare. It is very rare. There's only other possibly one person that's from this same like time in history, which is Job. Job, yeah. Job, we believe, is after the flood and before. Probably before Abraham, definitely before Moses. Okay. Well, if he's before Moses, then that would mean he's around the same time. Yes, and but it's there's no evidence whatsoever that Job and Abraham knew each other, or even knew each other existed. They probably never knew each other. Right. They did. Their so say, did you hear because voice? it's likely that Moses collected Job like the story of Job and put it in the Bible. He didn't write it, but he collected it. Likely. Okay. Because it's possible that Job wrote down like everything that happened at that yes, time. Yes, probably he did. So, back to why this is odd. He has no basis for this. He has no way to say, well, my grandfather worshipped God. Well, I mean, he does have people in his Family that you know for sure way back like Seth and Noah, but we're not so sure about Tara or Tara's uh, father, Nahor. We don't know about them, okay? We know their names, but it doesn't say how close they were to God. It's possible that they never even believed in God. Right. <clears throat> so, Let's go to, um, what, would you, what do you think then that was like for him to experience Scary, God? probably. Probably. Okay. Like, all of a sudden, this, like, voice coming this person is just like, like not person, but you know what I mean? Like you hear, like, get up, like, get up. Okay. But what, t- what tone was it in, though? Well, because was it- do we know it's audible? Oh, that's true. It could be. It could have been because God has audibly spoken. That's true. So then maybe it was a little less scary, but it's still scary. Oh, Audrey so. said maybe a dream. Oh, yeah. It doesn't say a dream, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't. Or he could have been possibly, like, shouting. You never know. I would guess not shouting because oh, most of the time in the Bible, and there's a specific time where Elijah is feeling very depressed and or Elisha, sorry, is feeling very, very depressed and says a giant wind came, a whirlwind and God was not there. A fire came and God was not there. An earthquake came and God was not there. But then in a still small voice came and there was God. So a still small voice is not shouting. It's still shocking, though. Oh, yes, for sure. It doesn't <laughs> l- take away its power. I'm probably confusing because but I would, where to go. At first, if I heard a voice, I'd be like... Um, he does not tell him at first where to go. He says, get out of my country. Yes. And I would say it is troubling. Just hear a voice and not know where to go? How old is he around this time? Okay, so he is um, he is definitely an adult, and he is less than seventy-five. Oh, so he could be pretty old. He could less be than younger. Yes. Yeah, but that's not that. Old. I'm still like, very. 
<laughs> 70 would be pretty old. Yeah. Be pretty old if that's the first time you heard God. Oh, I thought you meant... Okay, never mind. Yeah. So, okay. Um, really, what it is, is it's a mystery for him. He knows that it's real because there was enough to convince him to do what God said. But it's very mysterious to him. It's a new thing. He can't, there's nothing for him to read about it. There's nobody for him to go ask about it. And there's that, no way that he could ask somebody, but, well, I think there's something inside of him, God's spirit, that's telling him it's real. So let's turn to Acts chapter 7. A lot of times you find out things um, about the Old Testament, little extra information that we don't have in the Old Testament, that Moses didn't record or whoever else, but that God has shared with future people about it. And in Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 5, this is Stephen, who uh, was a follower of Christ after Jesus' death, within um, probably the first four or five years of Jesus' death. And this is him talking about Abraham. Uh, Felicia, can you start with verse 2 in Acts chapter 7? Acts is after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know. I'm going to try and get there. You think someone else should do that for the time being? Sure. Okay. And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charon. That or Haran, okay? It's just oh. another pronunciation. Yeah. Okay. And said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall shew thee. And then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans and dwelt in Charon. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into the into this land, wherein we now dwell. Verse five. And he gave him not inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for possession into his seed after him. One as yet he had no child. Okay, so what is something that you notice different in this version or this retelling of the story compared to the one we read from Genesis that Moses wrote? It's very... It's not... It takes a minute to pick it out. It has to do with the timeline. He was dead. Okay, yes. It, but Moses does have that. We just haven't gotten to that verse yet, that Terah dies before he goes to Canaan. It said when his father was dead. Yep. Oh. Early, an earlier verse, oh. verse 2. Oh, he it said it was before he was in Haran. Yes. Oh. Isn't that interesting? An interesting little tidbit there, because... If you think back to your little kid Sunday school days, you usually learn that Abraham left Ur and went to Canaan. Yeah. You kind of, I mean, maybe you don't remember, but you kind of, typically you gloss over the Haran part. Yeah. But it's an important detail that, so Mesopotamia is just another name for this region down here of the Fertile Crescent. And so when he was in Ur, that's when God first spoke to him. So, he caused him to move, and it was um, not Terah, his father, who decided to move to Haran, but Abraham, who said, we all need to get up and go. Now, Abraham said this to his wife, his nephew, his father, and his brother. 
His one brother is dead. Lot's father is dead, who was another Nahor. He was named after his grandpa. But the other brother is... Hold on. Oh, this is a weird thing. His, his bro, Abraham, Abram's brother's name is Haran. If not to confuse things more, right? That's funny. But, you know, that happens. Like, you ever hear of a Savannah? There's a city called Savannah. River. Yep. There's a lot of names. So, so Abram has to tell his brother, his father, all, all his family, hey, I'm going to move to Haran. Or I'm going to leave Ur, I guess, is really what God's commandment was, to leave Ur, leave his country. And they, they also must have been, uh, why? He said, well, God told me to. And they were probably like, uh, what? God told you to? And they were probably like, God spoke to you? And he's like, yeah, what God? He says, well, just it's, it's God. And they're like, no, like, okay, the sun God, the moon God, because that's what all in the Sumer, Sumerians, yeah, that's right. The Sumerians, they worship the moon. We know that for sure. They built these ziggurat temple, like they're like the pyramids, more like the Aztec pyramids. And that were all temples to the to like the moon, the sun, the stars. They were very focused on astronomy and things like that. And and Abram has Abram has to say no, 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 not any of those god. This is like a different god. And they're like, yeah, I'm sure they thought he was a little odd. And. He's like, no, no, it's it's the same God. Maybe he said this. I would think that Noah was told who Noah followed, followed after, who saved Noah. And who knows, maybe at this point, this is... Oh, I thought I wrote that down. This is 380, or I think 450 years after... Noah died. So think of like 450 years ago, what was going on compared to like us. (laughs) It's like the 1500s. America had only uh, just been discovered, 1492. Yeah. Like, that's a long time ago. So they might not even, most people probably. Might not even believe in the story of Noah anymore. And they're like, what the heck are you thinking? Yeah, well, I'm they sure. Have, well, they have to believe in Noah because they're one of his descendants. And Abram says, well, I'm going. He says, I can't explain to you why. All I can say is that I, I met him and I believe. That's all he can say about it. He, he has no evidence for the promise. He has the experience of God speaking to him. And that is just, don't you wish you could know what Abraham experienced? Yes. What he saw, what he heard, what he felt. I mean, you, even if you were there, you might not see anything. I, but you would, I wish he would have at least kept a bunch of journals about everything and left one in every town he went to. Well, he obviously left something for us. That's why we have it in the Bible. So he maybe says, God told that could be too. So he says, I'm going with or without you. And maybe some of them said that, but some of them obviously said no. His brother that's still alive does not go, or anybody from that family. Lot decides to go with him. Clearly, they must have had a, a special relationship, his, him and his nephew. And his wife and then his father go with him. And this is where it gets interesting, where, you, where it's important to pay attention to the text and wonder about it. Why did he stop in Herod? Goes north and stops in Herod. Maybe you remember his brother. Here. Jerusalem, Canaan is down here. 
maybe he's not there because of all those things. Oh, like in Cana? Yeah. Maybe he stopped in Harry to remember his brother because his brother's name was Harry. Nah, probably not. Well, it was like just outside the edge, so I thought, well, this is good enough. Plus okay. And he's like, I'm going to walk better than I have to. I'm out of the country. Plus, he probably it's true. stopped for a break because Audrey's right. He was very old. So I like I like all of your answers because have you ever left anything unfinished? Yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, if we're honest, we do it all the time. I have you? I left the video halfway unfinished before coming here because Nate unplugged my Chromebook. Sorry. So how about have you ever held back some of yourself from something? Very much so. People make me angry way yeah. too much. Okay. Sometimes I black out and then they're trouble. This made me think of this or reading this or thinking about this part of his story in in army we have well they've changed it now but you used to have an army physical fitness test that you had to do once a year I believe he told us about the army physical fitness test before yes that was a different part though and you have to do push ups sit ups and a run and you score for however many you get and the run is how quickly you get two miles done and you, I have watched a lot of people on a run where you run and you practice and you do practice runs and they're always lagging behind and then when it comes to that test day, you see them run really fast and they run way better than they ever do in all the working out and practicing that you do. And then when you do it yourself, you run that first Usually you'd run a mile and then run back because that was the easiest thing for them to figure out a route for you instead of doing a loop. So you'd run out that first mile. you say, all right, looks good, looking good. And then you turn around and you come back on the second half. You'd be a little bit more tired and you'd be like, oh, not looking good, not looking good. And then you'd get to the end and they'd be like, usually for men the cutoff was... 15 minutes and 59 seconds was the minimum. So you'd hear them, you'd hear somebody be like, because they'd call out from the finish line, they'd be like, 1430. You'd be like, okay, I gotta go a little faster, a little faster. 1530. Oh no. And then you would be surprised at how much of a burst of energy and speed you can put on at the very end, because if you don't make that, then you are in danger of losing your, um, you yeah. can lose money, you can lose rank, you can lose a whole lot of things that you find out at the end that, hey, I got to make this and I can really burst some speed when I have that to. That also be known as a second wind along with the, the combination yes. of fear, like how gazelles react when they see a lion. Right, exactly. And we, we can be like this a lot where... We have finished something, or we don't put everything we have into something. We do it part way, or good enough. And I don't know that that was his attitude specifically. Maybe or he just a break. He was walking for a while. Well, I don't think it was a walking thing because I think he might have been there a long time. Like you know, set his tent up there, had all his flocks there, had friends there. Because it's interesting that then, which Abby pointed out, when his dad dies, he finishes. He goes to Canaan. He continues what God says. And it's not totally clear as if... I, I tend to think that God came and spoke to him again. Right before or after his father died and said, Hey... Remember that thing? You go there and you do that. These are my promises to you. And that, and then he got up and he went and did it. I would have at least waited go, for a while. Go to... I'm sure he did that. Although Jesus talks about that too. Um, Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. This is Paul um, talking about 
um, running a race, the race of race of your life. Hebrews is after Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, after all the T's. It's before James. At the end of the Bible. Uh, Chapter 12. Twelve one. I'm not sure. First yes, please. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay. So he says, Let us set aside every weight and the sin that easily says beset us, but you could say comes on us. When you're running a race, if you're going to run a marathon, what do you see marathon runners wear? Usually every year at the summer fun run to raise money like, to help keep the like practicing the or fun programs. Both, but more actually doing the race. Like, New York City's a marathon to raise money to keep certain businesses alive and to help raise money for animal shelters keeping it keeping animals that really need to be adopted that were abused. Well, that's good, but what do they wear? I thought they were, like, really, like, paradigm and stuff. Like, like, yeah, like, uh, shorts, t-shirts. Like, yeah, like those, almost like, nothing, shorts right? Shorts with, like, the... So yeah, like, they're like, basically, like, short, like, short, like, underwear. Like, that you count as pants underpants. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, yeah. bottoms. Yep, pretty much. Why? Why do they do that? Because it makes them go faster. Because okay, yes. Less stuff to... If I ran with this train, coat... If they train with a bunch of clothes on, it's easier when they run the race. Well, that's true. What if I ran with this coat? It would, you would, you would, it would, it would be far. awful. You would not go It'd be far. hot, too. It would be hot. It would be heavy. It would be on your way. It would be terrible, right? Plus, you would have more resistance, more wind resistance holding you back. So, Paul is saying... You can't have anything holding you back when you are following Christ, when you are living your life for Christ. And I want you to think about, so there are a lot of things in this world, seems like more and more, that demand your attention, that are a hindrance, that are a distraction, that weigh you down mentally, that weigh you down emotionally. Um sure every one of you has a box in your house that does that. I mean, basically, like, the entire, like, the box of every schoolwork thing I've ever done, the Auntie Heather mostly keeps on. Right? I mean, you can control what's on, what's in it, and you have one in your pocket, right? We're using one right now. Now, for something good, right? There are things that we use them for good, that you guys use them for good every day. But well, that's good. So, and that's just one thing. But I'm sure you've experienced how the things that you get through that can sometimes weigh on your mind, or sometimes you have to say, "What am I doing with this? This is not helping me at all." And and that's just one thing. That's just one thing that seems particularly weighty lately, but. You look at things that just take up your time sometimes. Not even that it's necessarily bad, but it takes up your time. It takes it away from you. Or in... Like how kids play more video games than when they should be studying and learning. Sure. Riding their brains because they're not really learning anything. But there's all kinds of things that can demand your time and distract you. Remember Pilgrim's Progress. When we did Pilgrim's Progress... And Christian is on the road to the celestial city, the narrow road. What are there all the time, every which way, as he's going down the road? People trying to stop him, and now I wasn't here for that, so I would. That's okay. So there are people trying to stop him, and what else is there? There's someone that tells him, "Hey, if you really want to get rid of that burden, don't quit following this road. Head down this old road." Okay, you have little offshoots, right? That little evil magician guy. 
Oh, no, Mr. Worldly Wiseman. Yep. How about Demas with the gold, the silver mine? There's all kinds of things. Some of them were little things that wouldn't seem dangerous. Hey, you want some silver or gold? You work in this Well, that's a little bit more on the nose. But so let's go back to Abraham now. Why would God tell Abram that? In order for all these grand blessings that he's promised them, which they're pretty, they're pretty great. He promises him this inheritance of land. He promises that he's going to be a great, and, or his descendants will be a great and mighty nation. Um, that in order for those things to come to him, that he has to leave without knowing the way. Because the way he walks will become the, what was it again? Uh, I'm trying to remember what like, it like, oh, wherever he steps, yeah, will become belong. the land of Israel. Yes, in a in a direct way, that's true. But more on a big walk, picture scheme. Why would God? Let's let's focus, Felicia. So, if he, why would God tell him all these things, but not tell him how? Because he wants to see if he'll really, truly follow the way that that his heart tells him to go, or something like that. His heart? Something like that, because he didn't tell him where he had to go, just to go. Not quite. So, God told him to remove himself from his country and his family. Today, he might have said to remove yourself from your culture, and from unbelievers around him. So, this is why he told him to leave. The Sumerians, like we said, they worship the moon, the sun, and they have, we have stories today like Gilgamesh and like all these crazy stories. Yep. And they believe that these things controlled their destiny and that these are, the, in reality, these false gods are very fickle and cold and have no personal relationship with anyone. And his brother... The lion god that they had, which was an astral sign that they used like for months that you were born in. Okay. So his brother didn't come with him. He probably thought someone has to hold down the fort at the house, baby. And okay, listen, Felicia. A further question, which we talked a little bit about, but why stop in here? It's his brother's name, though. That's the strange. Nope, nothing to do with that. I wonder about his father. Could because his father died just then. No, if he's, his father was weighing him down and he needed to stop, and then he had to die before he could continue. Like before he could continue. On Wait, right. So his father, his father wasn't dead yet, right? When he had got to Heron, right. So maybe he felt bad for leaving him. Something no. like that. Oh, to, if he did go without his father, yeah. um, possibly. I, I mean, there's no way to know for sure, but I wonder. If his father, which you have alluded to, was a stumbling block to him, that he that this was something that kept getting in his way, I wonder if his father didn't totally abandon the idols, the other false gods. Um, it's possible that he snapped a few of those like tiny statues of them. It's possible because we do see other people do that, and you you would see if you looked in the in the future of Genesis that when Jacob goes to pick out his wife, he goes back to relatives that still live in Haran. And these relatives are Laban, and they still worship these same gods. And his one wife, Rachel, brings those little gods with her underneath her saddle. Her father's idols, little idols. And that was probably caused problems for them for quite a while. And 
Finally, when Terah does die, Abraham hears God again, and then he leaves. But now he leaves at 75. Pretty old. Now, his father lived to be, I want to say, 200. So they were still living a long time, like Noah and Enoch and them. But Abraham, I think, lives to be 145. Don't quote me on that. But he lives quite to be quite old. So, but... It's interesting that he that Abraham is called at 75 or late in life. Do you remember how old Moses was called? Well, wait, when he was called like like to free the people of Egypt. When the burning bush happened. See, wait, okay. He was like like 80, was in his 80s? He was 80. 80, okay. exactly. Because yeah. his life is like a 40, 40, 40 That's split up into about. 40s. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's interesting when God calls people late in their life like that. Recently, just an interesting thing that I was, that drew a parallel to was Sunday, Amy Olson and I were talking to somebody, an older guy at church, who is, you know, 70s, 80s. And Amy asked him, he, she said, did you, did you go to church, like, when you were growing up? And he said, he said no, we never went to church. She's, she's like, your parents never took you? He said, maybe once or twice. And he said, and she was like, interesting. She's like, you're, and your wife didn't go? He was like, oh, she went, but we never took our kids. She's like, you never took your kids? He said, no. And... He's probably been going to church for eight, nine years now. Been baptized since. And is very, like, you know he's a Christian. You know that he's dedicated, that he has found something real. You can see it often. And it's interesting when God calls people, when God's timing is. And we see that Abraham sets out now... Um, to go to Canaan and God doesn't need you when he calls you to be born into a Christian family he doesn't need to speak um, to you in some specific way that you think is going to happen instead he's going to call you and do it however he wants he made you and he knows what's going to speak to you. I don't know why God waited until Abraham was 70 or 75. It's not clear like it is with Moses that Moses needed to be humbled. But God has a perfect timing of when to act in your life. And he will call you as well if you are open to him with a promise and a purpose. And Hopefully, like Abraham, you will answer that call with faith. Because faith is what? God's belief in God's promises. Belief in God's promises. Um, and I said a little bit earlier, I said, why did God tell Abraham to leave and not tell him the way to go? One last verse. We're going to go to Hebrews 11. This is also this is a good chapter to find out more about faith and especially more about Abraham here. And verse 10. There's a whole bunch of verses before that about Abraham, but I want to just look at verse 10. So he looked for the city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Okay. So a church. So. This chapter is, nope, not church. This chapter is talking about the people who had the greatest faith in all the Bible. And it doesn't say what, it does talk about the promises God gave Abraham. But in the end it says that Abraham had great faith because he looked for a city that its builder was God. He knew that it wasn't about something here on earth, something that he was gonna, he didn't care about it coming to him in his lifetime. 
All he cared about was that God promised it to him, and he trusted that that was a true promise. So, I just say that because it's interesting every time you come, because I've looked at Abraham quite a few times. Every time you come and look at something, you see a different perspective because of where you are in your life. You're in a different, the world around you is different, where your little small parts of your life are different. And especially in today's world where you don't know what the truth is. You hear people on one side say one thing, on another side say another, people in the middle say something different. There is hard to know what the truth is around you. But there is one place, only one place that you can come back to every time, and that is Jesus and his word. That's the one place where you know it is always true. And Abraham didn't have the Bible, but he did hear that voice of God. And that was enough. And he clung to that voice And he became known as the friend of God. And that got him through a lot of hard stuff in his life. So we're going to keep looking at his life and we'll learn more about it. Thanks, guys.